you do. Cody's coming out to preach, and he's got something that God's put on his heart that's, that's uh, really gonna, uh, like I said, every midweek is gonna be something like this, something God really puts on our heart. And by the way, we got a special one, uh, special midweeks already planned. December 4th, uh, I invited Mitch Album to come, and he's gonna be here for our midweek as he releases his book about the daughter that he adopted from Haiti, Chica. I don't know if you know that story, but it's an amazing story, and he's uh, sort of on a pretty cool journey, and uh, I invite him to come in here, and uh, we're going on WJR to talk about a marriage night that Ann and I are doing in the city at Second Ebenezer. You'll hear more about that on Sweetest Day, but I'm telling you right now, mark down Sweetest Day and take your wife to the date night we're going to do with a comedian named Michael Jr. in the city, and then Mitch is going to come out here in December. But here's the thing. Cody wants you to get excited, but here, so here, you ready? What's going on? Tonight, I want to hear you give it up. Give it up for our Cody Wilson. Hey, uh, how did uh, excited now? How did Ball State do this weekend? Oh, you notice I got my Ball State hat on. They they did. I didn't even know that they lost. You knew that. They played Indiana. They played they lost. Indiana. They almost beat them. They beat them last time they were there. Well, how how did Central Michigan do? Well, they won. They did. It's a great home opener in Mount Pleasant. Uh, they I look was, good. Yeah. And this week they play? You couldn't watch it because it wasn't on Wisconsin, TV. They play Wisconsin, so get off the stage. Okay, Okay. all right, all right. I'm, uh, I'm going to smoothly transition. I'm going to pray for us. I was going to touch on what he said um, a little bit. Um, but I think I, the only thing I'll say is, is we really feel like we have so many amazing opportunities to come to services here, um, and we really want to focus on... Obviously, new people always come into our services, coming to know Jesus in a fresh way, but we also want to be so intentional this year about people being in groups, being in an intentional relationship, authentic community, and that people would find Jesus in a fresh way through the relationships they're forming. And so I would just encourage you to, to jump a hold of that and, and jump into a new group uh, if you're not in one already and experience God in that way. But why don't we go ahead, and, and I'm going to pray for us. I'm excited about tonight. Anyone excited to be here? That worship was amazing, but, but let me pray for us. So Father, we just thank you for tonight, God. We thank you that we can be here and, and, and encounter you, Jesus. We thank you that none of us are here by mistake, God, but you have something for us tonight, Jesus. You wanna speak to us, God. And so we pray, Jesus, that we have eyes to see you and ears to hear, God, and hearts that are open to receive what you wanna do, Jesus. We confess that you are Lord, God, and we love you. We thank you that you reign in this place. You're gonna speak to us tonight, God, and we pray that we would leave here encouraged, we'd leave here strengthened, we'd leave here just on fire for you, Jesus and your name and your glory, that your name would be made famous, God, in our lives, in this community, in this region, and in the world, Jesus, that we would be your vessels to be used in this world, God. So we ask that you'd breathe on tonight as you already have, and that we'd see you in a fresh way, God. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I had this, uh, had this moment with the Lord uh, a couple years ago. It, I, I remember it because it was playoff football. I was driving on Squirrel Road. I was going to get a Jets pizza um, because the Patriots were playing uh, some playoff football. And it, it was interesting, probably not the most spiritual moment, but it became a spiritual moment. And it's interesting at any moment, in any circumstances, as you fix your eyes and, and turn yourself to Jesus, he, he will speak to you. And so I remember it was the winter and I was driving down the road and I had this prayer in my heart and I said to the Lord, I said, God, teach me something new about who you are. And as I was driving in my car and, and turning my, my heart and my affection to the Lord, I felt like he started speaking to me. And in that moment, I started imagining in my mind uh, the condo that me and my wife, Jenna, who is here tonight. 
Mama, Mama Wilson's putting down our son tonight, uh, which is super nice. Hi, Mom, if you're watching. Uh, and uh, so I was driving down the road, and in that moment, we were in a condo at the time in, in Auburn Hills, and I started thinking about my condo, and I, st- I started feeling like, like God started showing me something, and I imagined it being winter and looking out my, my window, and it was winter outside, and I started putting on my swim trunks, and I grabbed a lawn chair, and I grabbed a beach towel, and I went outside into the, to the snow, and I, I started laying out to catch a tan. And then the scene switched and I imagined it being summer outside and I put on a winter coat and I grabbed a snowboard and put on snow boots and got a snowblower and I went outside in the middle of summer. And as I'm having this image go through my mind, I'm like, I don't think I'm making this up. It feels like the Lord speak to me. I don't think about this a lot. I felt like the Lord said at the end of showing me that, he said, if you don't know what season you're in, you won't know what to do. If you don't know what season you're in, you won't know what to do. And how weird, my neighbors, imagine if it was the summer and you went outside with your your snow stuff on, someone should yell out the window, it's the wrong season. And I was thinking, imagine if you you went home even today and you were outside or it was, you were in your house and it was just this massive thunderstorm and you were looking outside and there was someone walking their dog in the middle of the the middle of the storm, you would yell at them, it's the wrong season, go inside, get, get ready. There's a, there's a storm going on right now. Or imagine going outside in the middle of winter and there's snow going down and you looked over at your neighbor and, and, and they had a little shovel and they were, they were planting like hydrangeas in the snow or seas. You'd be like, what are you doing? This isn't the right season to be doing that. And I really believe if you don't know what season you're in, you won't know what to do. And I believe many times you might be in a season of growth with the Lord and you might be trying to rest or he might be calling you to rest and you're trying to go or you might be in a season of pruning and you're trying to grow and you're like, why aren't I being successful? Why aren't I experiencing fruit in this season? And you might actually be doing something in the season you're in that God is not calling you to do. Have you ever asked yourself, God, what season am I in? What do you have for me in this current season? What are you calling me to do? And I believe there's many seasons in life, but I think we all are familiar with uh, a certain season, and, and I would call it a storm season, a hard season in your life, a dark season in your life, when you're going through hard things. Maybe you're in one and you're exiting one. Maybe life feels great now, but on the horizon, at some point, something is going to hit your life. And I believe oftentimes in our faith, when those storm season hits, we need to know how to stay strong in those seasons. We need to know how to keep our faith. And so tonight, I I, I wanna share some scripture with you that I actually feel like the Lord personally spoke to me about um, in 1 Samuel 21, but I wanna call tonight's message strength in the storm. And so for some of you, you might be in a storm season. Some of you might be in one in the future. Maybe you're in one in the past, but tonight I wanna go through four ways and talk about this idea. How do I remain strong in the Lord in the midst of a storm? And so in my personal life, a couple years ago, I remember praying and just being in this storm and this chaos in my life. And if you've ever been there, it's like, man, you feel hopeless inside. You don't know what to do. You need something. And I remember praying to God and just saying, God, I need something right now. I feel like exhausted. I feel like I'm dying inside. And in that moment in my mind, I just thought, 1 Samuel 21. And I'm like, maybe God wants me to be in 1 Samuel 21. So I turned to 1 Samuel 21, and, and I'll read what I read. It said this, David went to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest, Ahimelech, 
trembled when he met him and asked, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread and whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave them the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there, except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by the hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now, one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was, I don't even know if I'm going to say this right, Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in the cloth behind the ephod. I don't know if I said that right. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. So I read that and I thought, what does this have to do with my life? Is anyone else like, yeah, that seems like a really obscure scripture. And I was kind of like, I don't know this, if this is application. I probably heard God wrong. I, I, I don't really feel that encouraged by this. But I remember I actually was reading this before a midweek, and I just kept it on my memory. And it was like the Lord kept bringing it back to me. And I was like, I don't think there was anything in there for me. And I think even oftentimes, maybe you've been like that. You've been in scripture and you feel like, man, God wants me to read this. You don't even know why it's standing out to you. And oftentimes we're like, I just heard wrong. You move on to the next thing instead of asking God, what do you want me to know in this? What do you want to show me in this? And what's interesting, if, if you study the context of this, I remember a few midweeks ago, we were talking about comparison and David and Saul. In this moment, what's going on is David has just ran away from Saul because Saul is jealous of him because people are praising David for who he is as a warrior more than they're praising the current king, Saul. And in that moment, Saul gets so angry, it actually says he was overcome by a demonic spirit and he tried to kill David. And so David ran away from the nation to protect himself because the current king wanted to kill him. Mind you, in this moment, years before this, David has been anointed by Samuel, a prophet, to become king. So in this moment, David has run away from the country with some of his, uh, his friends, his warriors who fight battles with him, and he ends up getting to this, this place where he meets a priest, and in this place, he's in this storm season. He's in this season where he actually didn't do anything wrong, but everyone around him, the king, is against him because of jealousy that the king has towards him. You could be in a storm season, and you might not have done anything wrong. It might be the people around you that are against you in that season, but you're still in a storm season. And I started meditating on this scripture and asking the Lord what, what he had for me in this. And I really have been thinking about it. And I believe there's four things within this scripture that are vital to remain strong in a storm season. And I think you can find all four within the scripture, within the story. And I wanna go through those four things tonight. Is that okay with you guys? And so here's number one, it's pretty easy. Number one is this, if you're in a storm season, if you wanna remain strong, feast on his word. First Samuel 6, 6, it says, so the priests gave him the consecrated bread. 
This was the bread that the priests would eat in the temple. It wasn't for anyone outside of the temple. Jesus actually talks about this passage of scripture um, in, in the gospels. And as I was reading this, I felt like, man, the bread that he gave him, it wasn't ordinary bread. It wasn't just other bread. They actually call it the bread of the presence. And I thought, man, what a great illustration. What is the bread of presence, of, of God's presence in the temple represented in our life? I'm like, man, that is the word of God. That is the word of God, often in the scriptures, right? His word is referred to as bread. It's just not regular words. It's not normal bread. It's the bread of his presence that his spirit is on his scripture. It says that God inspired. It's God's breath is on every word that when you're in a storm season, it's so important to be in the word, to wake up each day and set aside time to be in the word that it would be food for your soul. It would be nourishment for your body. I've heard a pastor say, he's, he's quoted this, he's talked to many people and say, whenever I read the Bible, I don't remember what I read. I've heard a response, he said, well, you don't remember what you ate for breakfast yesterday, but it still gave nourishment to your body. And even if you feel like I'm not getting anything from this, it is bringing nourishment to your spiritual life. It is sustaining you. It is bringing you life. I've also heard people say, man, whenever I read the word of God, I just fall asleep. I, the same pastor said, I don't know if God's ever got mad at someone for falling asleep in his lap. And so even if you not feel like you're intellectually comprehending it, I believe when we read the word of God, it is bringing nourishment to our soul that this is food. And reading the word of God, being in the word of God, it is a battle. It is a violent attack on the enemy of our soul when we are in the word of God. I, I, I thought this, it's not just like some cute devotional time that you put on social media. It's offensive, it's aggressive in the kingdom of God. It cuts, it moves, it sets you free. It is a violent force to be in the word of God and to know how to yield it and, and use that word in season to remain strong in the storm. And, and I, was, I was thinking about this as I was reading. I was thinking about, have you ever heard of, a, I, I was researching even more yesterday. I remember hearing of warfare tactic, that when you're in war, there's a, there's a strategy called siege warfare. And what the enemy will do, and, and it's, it's more common in past history because cities were fortified with walls around them. And so what they would do is they would surround the city and they couldn't get into the walls. So what they would do is they'd cut off the water source from coming in. They'd cut off the food sources from coming in. And eventually, as weeks passed, the people no longer had food. They no longer had water. And they became so depleted physically that they would come out and surrender. And I feel like in the storm, the enemy knows that this will bring nourishment to your life. And so he wants to cut off your food source. He wants you to get so weak that you will come out and surrender to the season you're in instead of remaining strong in the Lord. Every day we go that we're not in the word of God, we're getting weaker and weaker spiritually. And you might be in a unique season, but that you would be consuming God's word. You would be faithful in worship and in prayer and that this would bring strength to who you are. Remember, I, I was talking with my mom. She was speaking to someone who was going through a hard time and who was really sad and really depressed and just had no strength and, and he didn't have a strong faith background. And she said she was praying with him and she imagined like instead of having this sword like the word like a sword all he had to fight with was a toothpick 
And I believe when we don't have the word of God, when we don't have what God's spoken to us in his word, through his spirit, that it's like we're going into battle with a toothpick. And when we go sustain seasons or weeks without being in the word of God, we no longer have strength to fight the battle that we are in. What's interesting is in, even in the scriptures, in the Lord's prayer, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. He says, give me this bread, right? Our daily bread. Even pointing back to the Old Testament when the Israelites are in the desert and each day they would go out and gather manna each day. And the Lord said, don't gather enough for the next day. And on Saturday before the Sabbath, gather enough for two days. But I want you to go out and gather only what you need for the day because what he was teaching them that he would be faithful to provide each day. But he wanted them to only grab enough for that day. And so instead of them saying, man, is God gonna show up in the future? He's like, just be faithful here. Because here's the truth. When you're in the storm, this is what happens, or in the desert, whatever you wanna say, in the desert, you learn dependence. And you learn that God is still faithful. But it's still on us to go and gather what he's providing for us. That he will come to us, he'll put it right in front of us, but he's like, you still need to eat. You still need to be strong in me. I love what it says in Isaiah 40, 31. But they wait upon the Lord, but they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Feel like you're waiting on God. It's interesting. I was, I was reading about this. The word used for, for wait in the Hebrew is kwava. And it's actually the word used for making rope. So that time when it says wait on the Lord, what it was saying was as we have rope, right? It's all these fibers that are twisted together. And so when they're saying it, the, the commentaries say this, thus waiting upon the Lord carries the idea of binding yourself to him. Unlike today, when the strands of fabric of rope in ancient times were bound together, they tended to become loose and on occasion had to be rebound. As they were rebounded, the strength of the rope was renewed just as when we drift away from God and then return and begin binding ourselves to him again. And by tightening that bind, do we become stronger. Next, we see that when we bind ourselves to God, we will not only renew our strength, we will mount up with wings as eagles. When you're in the stormy season, what are you binding yourself to? As you wait upon the Lord, what it's saying, that word is actually active. It's not passive. That waiting upon him means connecting yourself and binding yourself to the Lord. And I think oftentimes when we're in the storm, we try to connect to something else for refuge. When you're in a place of trial, what do you bind your life to? If you wanna remain strong, bind yourself to the Lord. So point number one, feast on the word. Number two is this, it says in, in verse eight, right? This is so interesting. I thought this was so interesting when I read this. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or sword here? He doesn't have a weapon. He says, I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here, but that one. David said, there is none like it, give it to me. What's going on here? In David's greatest struggle, God is reminding him of his greatest victory. What is he holding on to? He's in a struggle 
And what are the chances, the place that he shows up to, he gets the bread of the presence and the next thing he's reminded of is the testimony of the victory of the Lord. In the season of trial, point number two, the power of testimony is vital during the season of trial. The power of testimony is vital during the season of trial. And when you're in your greatest struggle, hold on to your greatest victories in the Lord. Remember the Lord, remember his faithfulness, remember he is with you and start pulling on your history with God. Start pulling on your relationship with them and start recounting the testimonies and the places that God has shown up in your life. And as we talked about, have that relational faith from your past and put it in your present moment and let that be the thing that guides you in the future. You might not see it right now. You might not see what the future is, but recount his faithfulness. Recount the places that he's shown up when you're in the midst of the storm. Remember the victories that he's brought and remember that he is still the same God, that he will do it again, that you would pull on your history, your past victories with God on his faithfulness and you would apply it to the current season that you're in. Remember um, being somewhere and they were talking about their church culture and their staff and they said, whenever we have a major decision to make, they start all their staff meetings taking the first 45 minutes recounting testimonies that God is doing in the past and in the current moment of their church. Because they say, we don't wanna make any big decisions without remembering who God is and who he is and what he's done and remembering when we're making a decision into the future, we wanna make it with faith and not with fear. And faith remembers who God is. Faith remembers what God has done. That even if you're in the storm, you make decisions from strength, not from your storm. You don't make decisions from the place of lack. You make decisions from the place of God's faithfulness, his character, and who he is. Think about this in my own life. I remember um, one of the points where I got released by the Lions um, and was coming back on staff with Kenzie Tim, but within that process, I didn't have a job for three months. We didn't really have an income. We, we would have been okay for a little bit, but we were gonna be kind of far in deficit in this month. And we had some friends, I still don't know who did it, but it was uh, December 23rd, we were in this condo again, and I get a call on my phone from an unknown number, and I'm the dude that ignores it. And so then I got another one, I ignored it again, and I'm like, it's like 8 p.m., on December 23rd, who the heck is calling me? I had a voicemail, I check it out. I get this radio voice, go look in your grill. <laughs> and I grab Jenna and I'm like, I don't know what, listen to this, I play it again, go. I couldn't even understand it because it was like a radio, et, like it was weird. And I said, I'm scared there's a bomb in our grill. <laughs> and so I go out onto the grill, it's snowy and I, I open it up. And right there in my grill, is $2,000 cash. And I was like, it's not a bomb. <laughs> and I remember going to Jenna and being like, God sees us, he knows what we need, he's providing for us in this moment. I remember, um, I remember um, when, when, we, when we went out to Bethel for California, we made the decision and we had like two months and we were gonna have to raise support. So we had two months to do it. So we worked really hard and sent out support letters and had meetings. And we were like, man, are we gonna have enough money? Like, it's really hard to get a job out there because the student population over exceeds the job opportunities to work. 
Um, and so we're like, well, let's just see what God does. I remember we ended up getting into a place where we actually, because of people's like generosity, and some of you probably in this room, we were just like, I remember we got the first check and we're like, oh my gosh, people, people are gonna do this. Like we were like blown away and they kept coming and they kept coming. And I remember we ended up actually raising more than, than we anticipated to even raise that God went in that moment through, through obviously his people, like above and beyond what we expected. And so it's funny, I'm sure in the future we might be in places where finances might be an issue or we're going into a place where it feels like God's calling us to and we're like, man, what are we gonna do financially in this area? But there's something that happens when God shows up in your life and he brings a fresh testimony in your life. He actually wants that act to renew your mind and change the way you encounter situations in the future. And I'll tell you this, what I've realized from hearing my parents raising support for 15 years and the crazy stuff they've had happen in, in the sense of provision and even in our own life, this is what I know. And if it's not truth in my soul, hopefully I can pull this testimony in the season. Going into the future, whatever God's calling you into, finances are never gonna be a problem. And it might not look like that in the current moment, but that's when you hold the testimony of the past and you put it in the moment and you're like, finances aren't an issue for God. If he's calling you to something, he will see you through it. He will provide for you. It might not be what you want, but it will be enough. And he will provide for you. And so if you're in a storm tonight, take some time to remember the places God has shown up in victory in your life. Because what happens in the storm is you forget Sometimes you start making your focus on the storm instead of on your savior. And in that moment, you start thinking that the storm is bigger than your savior. But here is some good news tonight. Shift your eyes back to him. He is greater than what you're going through. Not only is he greater than what you're going through, he's in the middle of what you're going through. Not only is he in the middle of what you're going through, he has the power to cease the storm that you're in right now. And so there's a place that we need to stop being overwhelmed with the size of the storm and we need to start being overwhelmed with the size of our God. And you might not be seeing it right now. But you go home tonight you sit down with the Lord, say, God, remind me of the places you took down Goliath. Remind me of the places I've seen you move in power. You say, I might not see it right now in this storm, but your character is steadfast and I will not waver on my commitment to you because I will see you move. So we're gonna sing even after the, the message, I seen you move, you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. And I won't waver in the storm, but I will sink down the roots of my life into the soil of the kingdom of God. And I will not be shaken and I will not be moved. And I will hold on to the past victories and the places that God has shown up Maybe you're in the room tonight and you're like, I don't even know what that means. I don't really have a history with God. Well, come join the invitation 
and the adventure of walking with God. Come join the places of stepping out into the unknown and onto the waters that look rocky and seeing the King of Kings show up for you when it doesn't seem possible. And discover the life that he has for you. Be quick with the third one because we're gonna talk about this a lot the next three weeks. Some of you have studied David and his mighty men. Step number three, my dad said it tonight. Man, you feast on the word. You remember the testimony of the Lord in the season of trial and you surround yourself with warriors. Don't surround yourself with just some fun people to be around. Surround yourself with some stinking warriors. You wanna be strong in the storm? There will be times in your life where you feel weak and you need someone to come over to you and lift you up and remind you of who God is and who you are. You need to surround yourself with faithful men and women of God, faithful people that will call out the word of the Lord over your life, faithful people that will call out the identity that God has in you. That's who you surround yourself with. I love David. He's even in this thing. He's like, my men are at a different place. They're like right outside, but they're traveling with him. He's surrounded by warriors that will give their lives for him. I mean, love you. You fast forward to verse 23 and, and Saul's son, Jonathan, David's best friends come to him. And it says, Saul's son, Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows it. Really simple. Who is helping you find strength in God? Who is Jonathan is saying, this is who you are and this is what God is gonna do. Surround yourself with those people who remind you of who God is and who you are. And I would say this, surround yourself with people that will encourage you. That doesn't always mean speaking the nicest thing, but they will hold you accountable to the person God has called you to be. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, the word courage. I'm gonna speak on it more in the weekends coming up, but there's this idea, what does it mean to encourage? It means that your words, your life are actually imparting courage to someone. What does it mean to be discouraged? It means something is robbing your courage, robbing your strength. Surround yourself with people that impart courage to you. Surround yourself with people that just like you are rooted in the word of God, they are rooted in the word of God for themselves, but also for you. Surround yourselves with people that when you can't remember God's faithfulness, they will shift your eyes from the storm and put your eyes back on the Savior and remind you of who you are, who God is and what he has done and remind you that he's gonna show up in this present moment and to hold on that your season is not your story. This chapter in your life is not the whole book. And to remain strong in Christ in the midst of that. Last one, I think this one might be the most important one. Trust God's timing. You get to 1 Samuel 24. Some of you guys know the story. Saul's hunting down David and, and Getty. It's interesting, I was in Engedi in, in Israel. It's all these mountains, this beautiful caves and, and, and water. It's interesting, there, there's a ton of trees that have thorns on them. 
and they believe the trees that have the thorns on them are the same trees that they put on Jesus's head when he was crucified, the crown of thorns, that those same thorns are in Engedi. It's like this parallel that David was in this season of crucifixion, that he was literally having someone chase down his life in the same place. The good news is David has victory on the other side. The good news is Jesus dies. There's resurrection on the other side of death. But in this moment, Saul finds him. He's in the cave and he doesn't know David's there. He's kind of going in the cave to do some bathroom stuff. It says David comes up behind him and he has the opportunity to kill him. And all, the, all of his men, they weren't good at this point. His warriors wanted them to kill him too. And so he just cut off a piece of the Lord because he said, who am I to kill the Lord's anointed? And instead of taking things into his own hands, he trusts that the situation is in God's hands. He doesn't take control, but he trusts the Lord's timing. I love that. I, I've heard Christine Kane talk about this. She's phenomenal if you've never heard her. She's a preacher. She talks about the anointing before the appointing, that David was anointed king many years before, but he wasn't appointed king yet. And in the middle of the anointing and the appointing were the caves, was the storm. And you might be in a cave. I love what Pastor John Ortberg says, but God does his best work in caves. You might be in a cave but God is doing something that there might be a screenshot taken or the Lord's spoken to you about something in your life and you're like, I don't see it yet. Christine King goes on to say that the process is like you take a picture, right, with photography and it goes into the dark room to be developed. Sometimes the storm you're in is actually just preparing you for the promise God has for you. That it doesn't feel good at the time, but the crushing and the pressing, if you are surrender and submitted to God in the midst of it, he might be molding you, not crushing you. He might be molding you to be the person that he's called you to be. It's not just about getting to where God sends you. It's about being the right person when you get there. Think about some of you guys know, I won't get into a ton, but Romans is written by a man named Paul in the scriptures and he had quite the journey to get to Rome. He was almost killed. He was on trial. He was in a ship. The ship got shipwrecked. He got bit by a snake. The snake didn't kill him. People thought he was God. It took a very long time. It was not a linear path for him to get to Rome. But I really believe sometimes God isn't as concerned about you getting in to the promised land. He's concerned about you being a people that can carry the weight of the inheritance. And you might be waiting on God to get to the next season. And in that place, I believe the weight is actually carrying and preparing you for the weight of the next season. The W-A-I-T weight is preparing you for the weight of the next season that God actually isn't withholding something from you. He's withholding something for you. 
Because if you walked into the thing he has for you with the maturity that you currently have, it would crush you and be a curse instead of a blessing. I talked about that before with the timing of God. Think about this, children, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. But outside of sometimes the context of marriage, outside of the covenant of that relationships, for some people, children and getting pregnant can feel like a curse. Why? Because the structure and the timing wasn't right for that type of blessing and gift. And so something that would be the greatest gift in the world becomes a curse to that person because the timing wasn't right. And so sometimes we're like, God, I want this thing. And he's like, trust my timing. Trust what I'm doing. James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What's he saying? Consider it joy when you face trials. Why? Not because the trial's fun, but it's actually producing something in you that is gonna be pure, that your perseverance is producing purity, that in the crushing and in the refining, that's when the anointing of God actually will flow in your life. I think about that, even playing football. Oh my gosh, if you've ever been at the end of practice and you jump into conditioning or you do two-a-days, it is the worst thing ever. And it is painful at the time, but it is producing something in you the pain of the moment, the discipline of the moment is preparing you and getting you ready for the game on Saturday or Sunday or Friday night. And the pain's not fun in the time, but you can take joy in it knowing that our preparation, that our perseverance, that our hard work, that our discipline, even in the midst of something that's painful and hard is eventually gonna produce something that is pure. And so here's, here's the truth. The storm that you're in might prepare you for the promise. And I would say this, this is the last thing I'll say as we go back in the worship is, is this is what I know and what the Lord has shown me and that I have to hold on to because when you're waiting, I'm sure David was like, what is the purpose of this? Like I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm not saying for some of you in this room, Maybe you're in a season and you didn't do anything wrong and that's not your fault. And sometimes I think <laughs> we believe God is authoring that pain when actually he's just authoring the redemption of that pain. But here is the truth. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, as you place that in God's hands, that storm and that waiting season is never wasted. The places in your life that feel like they brought death, you bring them to Jesus. He will bring resurrection. Those places in your life and those things that you want to hide, things that you've done, secrets that you have, addictions of your past, right? Places you feel shame, storms you've been in. As you put those things in the hands of Jesus, he is the author of redemption. He is the author of resurrection. He is the author of making all things new. And he crashes every funeral he's ever been in.
So that thing that feels dead, that thing that's gross and you wanna hide, the thing you think that disqualifies you, that storm you've been in, that maybe you didn't even put yourself in. Man, tonight, be renewed in strength and put it in the Lord's hands. Say, God, I know this doesn't look good, but can you make it beautiful? God, I don't understand what's going on right now in my life, but be my anchor in the storm. And even the places you cannot intellectually maybe understand what's going on, submit all your ways to him and he will make your path straight. And as you wait on the Lord, like Isaiah 40, 31, man, imagine your life like a rope and just start binding it to Jesus and start feasting on his word. Start feasting, as Jalen said, on the promises of God. Start remembering the places of testimony. Start remembering the victories that he's brought in your life. And when you're weak, call upon your friends, text them and say, I need you to pray for me. I need a word. I need a scripture. I'm weak right now. Will you uphold me? Ask someone to hold you up. And in that place, trust this, the current trial you're going through, the current storm you're going through, it will not be wasted. But in the hands of God, he will bring resurrection power. He will bring new life. And that season of child, that chapter of your story, you will look back on your life as you hold on to him and it will bring victory to so many people around you. That the places you've been through the storm, you'll meet someone someday who's right there and you'll say, I've been there too. Let me show you how. I know what it's like. I've gone what you've gone through. God's bigger than your storm and he can lift you up and that we would be a church that when we're in the storm, we'd still praise him the same. That when we're in the storm, we still carry gratitude the same. That when we're in the storm, people would see a different kind of hope in us. Not that we don't admit when we're weak, but we cling to the person of Jesus that when other people are going through storms, we meet them in their pain and we cry with them and we mourn with them, but we hold on to the hope of a glorious future with Jesus here and now and in eternity, that we don't suffer, we don't mourn as the world does because we have an eternal hope, a glory that far outweighs it all. And we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the hope and anchor for our soul. And we look at the one who went through a storm and on the other side of it, there was resurrection and there was new life. And we follow his path and we walk in his way. And so as we, as we close the night, man, I feel like for some of you, um, maybe tonight you're like, man, I hear that. And you might be in a storm someday and I hope you can apply this to your life. For some of you, I feel like you're probably in a storm. You probably feel weak tonight. And, and I would love as we go into worship and we're gonna sing about God's faithfulness, about how, who he is and his character. And as we do that, I would love for you, if you're here tonight and you're in a storm season or you're in a season and you feel like, man, I need prayer tonight. I need fresh strength. I need courage. I need healing. I need fresh vision. I need strength to be faithful, to be steadfast in what I'm going through. 
I'm just going to ask you, uh, before we go into worship, I just want to pray for you. So if that's you tonight, if you're like, man, tonight's for me. I need strength. God, I need you. I'm, I'm just going to ask you to, to stand right now as we go into worship because I just want to pray for you. Yeah, awesome. So let me pray for us and, and we'll enter into worship. So, so Jesus, we thank you uh, for each and every person standing right now, God, because this is what I know. I know you see them. And even if they're in the valley of the shadow of the death, God, you are with them. And so I pray that, God, more than anything, your power and your presence, they would know is with them, that inside of them, God, that your Holy Spirit, your resurrection power is inside of them, even giving life to their mortal body, God. We pray over situations where it feels like evil is overtaking them and we rebuke that evil in Jesus' name and we release your courage, God. We release your strength, God. We release your power and your presence over them that supernaturally, even over people, God, you would break things off of them, Father God. Lies that speak that you're not there, that you're not enough, that you're not gonna show through, God, that you would rip those lies away and you would replace that with the truth of your word, that you will never leave us or forsake us. You are always with them and I pray that you would impart encouragement and strength and fresh vision that you would give insight into the season that they're in, God, and that they would experience in a fresh way your nearness and your power in the storm. That you give them encouragement and fresh vision to turn away from the storm and fix their eyes on you, Jesus, because you are greater, you are bigger, and you are God. And so, Jesus, we love you tonight. We give our hearts to you, and we worship you the same in every season tonight, God. We give you our best praise, even in the worst circumstances, because we trust in your nature and your character, and our worship is dependent on who you are, not how we feel or what we're going through, Jesus. And so it's in your name we pray. Amen.